Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Welcome to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. I'm Rob Reinhardt, and tonight I am not joined by Riley Johnston. Instead, we are joined by another great Blogger So Dear writer, Edward Foster. Edward, how are you doing this evening? I am doing well, Rob. I hope you are. Uh, My voice and my heart both have finally recovered from Saturday, Um, and I'm assuming that you are much the same way. They are they are the same way. Yes, Edward is of course referring to as if you're listening to this, you're well aware of the 26 to 19 heartbreaker loss to the Florida State Seminoles on Saturday afternoon at BB&T Field, dropping Wake Forest to four and one on the season. Obviously, got off to that great start and definitely a roller coaster of a game. And we're going to dive into that game in great detail as well as look ahead to this upcoming week's game against the defending national champion Clemson Tigers. So Edward, why don't we just get right into it at a higher level? What were your overall thoughts on the game this past Saturday? You know, I thought really our defense has been strong all year long, but I thought they really took it to another level on Saturday, you know, a school record 18 tackles for loss uh, several times where, you know, the offense just could not get going really, but the defense really put us into the game, uh, you know, with some big plays. And so I really think that, you know, people thought that there was going to maybe be some fall off after Mike Elko left, but I'm honestly not seeing that. And in fact, I would say our defense is as good, just as good this year as they were last year as one major takeaway that I have. Yeah, I think you can certainly thir- certainly say that. I thought the defense was outstanding, the tackles for loss, as you mentioned, and really a lot of Easter famine from Florida State in terms of their yards at or behind the line of scrimmage uh, for you know nearly a third of, of their snaps, but they, they did beat us on, on a number of big plays. Any other big takeaways from the game besides the defense? Uh, you know, we had some, a lot of missed opportunities, I felt like, um, you know, a lot of decent yardage situations to go. There were a few times where John Mulford had some underthrown passes that our receivers just weren't able to come up with. I mean, there were several where I think Dorch had some space and he could have easily gotten a 15, 20 yard gain, but the ball was underthrown. Uh, really disappointed in that missed extra point by Mike Weaver. Uh, you know, if we if we had a 2019 lead at the end of the game instead of it being tied at 19, you know, it's it's tough to speculate about results there. But you know, do we play that situation any differently with a lead than we did with it being tied at 19? Um, you, did you have a comment or two on that? 
Yeah, obviously the extra, extra, missed extra point was was brutal last week against. We benefited because of a missed extra point, some missed field goal, and then I thought things were really reversed on us this week in terms of mm-hmm. uh, maybe not capitalizing on some specific opportunities. Also, agree on some underthrown balls. I was thinking back on this, and then I we can really dive into that in terms of missed opportunities and back and and watch the quarter last night and wrote down another went back through the play by play on on ESPN.com. And it really made me realize just how a lot of individuals were in this game. You some of the underfalls, the extra point, obviously that's going to change a lot of strategy on both sides. Is Florida State more aggressive in trying to score score a touchdown midway through the fourth quarter instead of instead of kicking um, the fumble at the at the fifteen? I thought that really go back to in the second quarter. Wake goes up twelve to three, and then really crumbles to end the half very quickly, immediately lets up about an 85-yard return to, to get to get into you know, our territory. They go touchdown several plays later. Then on our next possession, while we're deep in our own territory, relatively speaking, on about the 20 or 25-yard line, uh, hits a receiver in the hands, bounce, bounces up, Wolford gets picked off for the first time all season. Uh, his fault at all on the score. So all of a sudden, you know, right there, uh, changed absolutely dramatically. And then a number of other ones. Any plays that you can think up? Yeah, you know, I thought we had a really good opportunity. I believe it was in the maybe the second quarter where we had a forced fumble where we stripped the ball and we get it inside of Florida State's 30-yard line, and then we're only able to come up with a field goal out of it. You know, there were a couple of times where we had some really good field position, and we were just not able to take advantage of it um, in settling for a field goal in a situation where, you know, it would have been nice that we we were set up to easily – build up a touchdown or more cushion, even two touchdown cushion, and we were just not able to execute and get the ball into the end zone. And I really thought that that hurt us uh, towards the end of the first half, especially uh, that we had not been able to convert on some of those opportunities. You're absolutely right. You know, touchdowns are, you know, they're four point plays, essentially. That's, it's it's more than double a field goal, and I know that may sound obvious, but when you are consistently settling for field goals instead of getting it in the end zone, that will add up, and that will enable a team like Florida State, or, or any team really. Florida State killed us with the explosive plays. We had so many tackles for loss, but they killed us on big plays. They killed us on that, that third and 20. Uh, that was a a monster miss by our defense. Jasir Taylor let let the receiver go. I think by design, Cameron Glenn a little bit late to slide over, and, and that's one of those situations. Had had we been able to force a punt on on that play, that directly led to a field goal. 
Um, maybe maybe it's a different game. Obviously, the big big play for the touchdown uh, towards the end. But uh, you know, uh, there was another time where we got the ball inside of the ten yard line, goal line to go situation. Serene has uh, a holding penalty, I believe, and all of a sudden we're back up at back to our twenty. So if you add up all the missed opportunities in terms of how many times we had to settle for field goals, the missed extra point, um, it really allowing some of those big special teams plays for Florida state that directly lead to seven points. Um, it starts to add up very quickly. And then a seven point game, um, it really made a world of difference. And, you know, surprisingly we've been very good in those situations all year in terms of our, ability to score once we get opportunities. We were one of the better teams in the country. And, and I thought it, this game would really come down to red zone execution. And unfortunately, it did a little bit on our end. We just were not yeah. on the right, right, right side of those plays. Um, I know you had some thoughts on the play calling in this game in particular. Would, mm-hmm. would you care to share those? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, Personally, we're running way too many quarterback draws. You know, Adam uh, Adam Bridges, one of our other bloggers, so dear writers, he commented, you know, why not have Dorch and Bird running some screens on the outside, let them get some space to really use their speed and use that to our advantage and be able to get down the field, but you know, John Walford has been the by far the leading rusher on the team every game so far this year, uh, not just in terms of yardage, but in terms of touches. Now, I know we have, we rotate in and out, but, you know, we, Walford is a quarterback that we can't afford to have running the ball every play against big defenses like Florida State and especially against Clemson this week. You know, I I fear that if we're running all these quarterback draws, John's going to end up taking a big hit at some point to where he's going to get injured and then the whole offense is going to just not be the same. Also, I feel like we are way too conservative at times, um, especially that second to last drive of the game where we get the ball back with about a minute and a half to go. We have all three timeouts and we have the ball inside our own 20 yard line. Uh, The staff elects to run the ball on first and second down for essentially no gain. And Florida state is able to use their timeouts, get the ball back, at Wake's 40-yard line with 40 seconds to go, and then obviously they get the game-winning touchdown pass. You know, I I get the strategy, make the team, the other team, use up their timeouts before they get the ball back, but when we're giving them that kind of field position, it nearly cost us the game against Appalachian State, and it did end up costing us this game against Florida State. Uh, did you want to add your thoughts to that? Yeah, I mean, I well, I guess, look, our, I guess our offense is our offense. I, I do agree with you that we need to preserve Wolford. He had, he had 19 carries in this contest against, against Florida State. Um, you know, he's had 
he had 20 against BC, though his average was a lot higher. 13 against App, and his, his average was again higher. Against Clemson, I would really like to see that change. I know you can only run what your offense is to a degree, and, and his numbers are inflated just by the simple fact that obviously he touches the ball in every possession, and if he is one of the options, uh, well, then he's he's going to keep it whenever he you know he reads the defense that way. But uh, yeah. Clemson's defensive line is absolutely unbelievable. We can touch on this, I'm sure, when we uh, preview the game quickly towards the end of this episode. But their defensive line, I would say, is the best in the country. And you have to be thinking long-term. This Clemson game is not one that we're going to have a great chance at winning. So I would be thinking about the future. I would be thinking about we need Wolford to stay healthy because – when Hinton's been in this year, he hasn't been great. Granted, it's been spot minutes, but against Utah State, he was he was not the best. And Wolford has us doing pretty well offensively, in, in all honesty. And, uh, you know, you mentioned some shortcomings about missed throws. Absolutely. He, he missed um, a big throw to Dorch along the sideline with about five minutes to go. He missed a, missed a big throw to Dorch on the final drive of the game. Uh, th- that really cost us in this one. But, you know, I – I don't mind him running the ball as much because I, I think there still needs to be that threat of, of him doing it. And I think, honestly, him taking off to run can set up to, to bite the defense a little bit and throw it. But I do think it's definitely something worth monitoring moving forward, especially since he did get his non-throwing shoulder banged up against, against Florida State, as they mentioned in the telecast. Um, you know, any any other thoughts on – I guess as far as the, the play calling, though, I, I will say I, I will disagree with you a little bit. I thought, yeah, you can, you can question whether they should have, you know, gone with the run on that first play. I, I thought we were really set up in a tough spot there with when Bird fumbled, uh, really caught off schedule. We did not have good field position in the first place, uh, and it was tied. So, I – I would think I think the thought process there was we're going to put in Bird and not Colburn. Had we put in Colburn, I think that would have been a much more of a signal that we're just trying to chew clock. With Bird, he does have that home run threat, so I think they were trying to go with a, a slightly higher upside opportunity but still being somewhat conservative. And I will say I liked in that situation that we threw it on third down. I thought Tavares McFadden got away with a, a pretty bad pass interference penalty to Scotty Washington uh, that who knows how the game turns out if we get away with that one. I did not think Maggio's punt was very good. Uh, I think it went, you know, 35 yards or something like that. It, we had good coverage on it, but it just has to, you have to have a better punt in that situation. Um, uh, we were honestly fortunate that Florida State just scored on that touchdown as quickly as they did. Uh, the play I do disagree with um, in terms of our play selection, that fourth and one where Wolford got the sneak to get several yards with about, you know, 30 seconds to go. To me, look, I know you need a first down in order to continue playing the game, but that seemed like a, that seemed like it obviously increased our chances of getting a first down, but I thought that play hurt our chances of winning the game because ultimately we still need to, to score seven on that drive. And we, did, we didn't use our timeout 
afterwards. So I thought really we left a little bit to be desired there. Probably should have been a little bit more aggressive and, and try to get something eight, ten yards down the field as opposed to just getting the first down. And if we get it, great. Uh, we have a better chance of winning. If we don't, well, I still think we put ourselves in the best chance to succeed. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, you know, running the ball is always going to take more time uh, than a quick throw is going to. And, you know, we we weren't – it's not like we were in a position where we're at, you know, the 10-yard line and we can quickly get it to the end zone. I mean, we're we're still well – away from the end zone at this point. Um, I would have liked to see us pick up more yards on that play, uh, same as you would. Uh, One thing that Wake fans were very upset about uh, was on that last drive, there was one throw, I believe it was to Scotty Washington, and it looked like the Florida State defender was all over his jersey and had grabbed him and caused him not to have a chance to get the ball. Uh, Refs don't call pass interference, and I I felt personally like that maybe rattled us just a little bit in trying to get back into rhythm because, you know, had he been able to make that grab, we're 10 yards further down the field. If they call interference, obviously that's an automatic 15. Um, Again, I don't think you know, you do anything different play calling wise, but I think that may have changed the mindset somewhat. Uh, what did you think about that non-call? Yeah, if if it's the one, the one I'm thinking of, it was it was a brutal call, and uh, you know we had a number of, of things not necessarily go our way, and I, I'm not one to complain about officiating as much, but. Uh, that was tough. I mean, I guess you could argue Amari Henderson got away with with some calls throughout the game, though I thought it was it was pretty well defended throughout. But yeah, again, in a game that tough, a lot of plays are big, and if you're talking about a pass interference, you're talking about 15 yards and automatic first down. So clearly, a a big momentum change in the game. I, I definitely thought that it was, um, and you know. Who's to say that, you know, if if the pass interference is called, that we don't get a better shot at the end zone than Walford having to heave it from 40 yards out and just throw it up there for Scotty Washington to get it. But, you know, again, we can't change the officiating, um, and we're going to get some calls that go for us and some calls that go against us. That's just a part of football and that's the way it is absolutely well let's shift gears a little bit well look we've been talking about a lot of things that went poorly but the bottom line is wake is to the point now where they're 31st nationally in s&p plus uh they're top 35 by a lot of advanced metrics four and one played very well against florida state we weren't just in that game uh because of some fluke trick plays we had had all those tackles for loss we we had the drives. Uh, we we showed that we could absolutely hang with the team, and I still think I know they got off to the 0-2 start. I think they're a pretty high caliber team. I'll be curious to see where where they end the game. But what are your 
what did you think Wake did particularly well on on Saturday afternoon? I know we talked about the defense, but were there any players in particular who's, who stood out to you? And how did maybe what you saw on Saturday change, if at all, your perspective on this team for the remainder of the season? You know, I mean, definitely a guy who stood out to me was Greg Dortch. I mean, he has already been making plays all season long, but he has 10 catches for 110 yards in this game. And he his speed is something that I think we need to have the offense revolve around for a long time coming. I mean, so Dortch certainly stood out to me. Um, I thought, you know, despite – a few bad throws we talked about. Walford continues to be a very, very composed quarterback. Uh, one play that stood out to me was the one in the fourth quarter where it looks like he is almost certainly about to be sacked, and then he somehow flips it out to Cam Sernier for a gain of like 25 yards. And uh, so John still making some great throws. Um, defensively, you know, if I if I had to pick a player, Jesse Bates had the 14 tackles, obviously. Um, you know, Henderson had some good pass breakups. And I, I thought the, you know, the entire line was really good. I'm not sure that you can necessarily pick a particular player from the line who really – stood out. I mean, there were just so many, they were constantly getting into the backfield and causing trouble for Florida State's offense. Uh, What about you? Did you have a guy or two on either side of the ball that really stood out to you? George definitely stood out. I think that was really encouraging to see him perform as well as he did against a lot of elite athletes on Florida State. He he was named, uh, I believe, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Week, so obviously obviously very deserving there and made some explosive plays in the in the return game as well. The person, uh, Bates, obviously spectacular, and, and I agreed. I, I thought our offensive line played played pretty well for us on, on Saturday. The person who stood out to me the most, I would say, was probably Amari Henderson. I, I, I know he got beat on, on the final play, but I thought we put him in, in man coverage pretty much all afternoon and and he stood up he made some some tough plays and he's long he's athletic so if he can continue to give that kind of performance I will say I think all of a sudden our defensive line becomes even stronger if we have somebody who can who can shut down a lot of opposing receivers so I think that's a very encouraging sign moving forward uh, also thought Grant Dawson had uh, one of his stronger games as well was in, was in excellent pursuit so I I think, you know, this game was definitely encouraging. I wasn't the most optimistic going into it, but we, we played better than I thought. So while I'm not overly optimistic about this game against Clemson, who I think they're on really a different level than just about anybody else in the country outside of Alabama, uh, I'm much more, you know, optimistic about games against against Louisville for sure. I think we can do some things to them, especially since their offensive line is not exactly the greatest in the world. I think our tackling can be very good. 
against Georgia Tech. So I think we still have a lot of really good opportunities coming up uh, in addition to the, to the final three games on our schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I will say that before the season, I this uh, five-game stretch, I really did not see us coming out of it with more than really more than one win, and I was honestly not expecting us to win any of them, but having seen the way that we have really stepped up in the past uh, week or two, especially against a big competition like Florida State on Saturday, um, I I would give us a chance in a couple of these games. I, I really like our chance in the Louisville game at home. Um, and I honestly, I think, you know, maybe we can catch a team like a Georgia Tech or somebody by surprise, uh, not to focus too much on the rest of the schedule, but I think we definitely have some strong things that we can build on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you wanted to talk about the, the running back situation briefly. Uh, perhaps you covered it with with you know some of your discontent with, with Wolford running the ball. Uh, were, were there any other thoughts you had on the situation while we, we wrap up the Florida State game? It, it's just, it's kind of interesting to me that you know, we I would say we have yet to see one back really stick out as the leader amongst the group. You know, I mean, uh, Bird has certainly had his moments. Uh, Colburn has had a couple of nice plays. Carney, I believe, got uh, somewhat injured in the Utah State game. I'm not really sure what his status is going forward, uh, but he did not seem to be the same after he got hit hard. And uh, he seems, you know, I I don't know what his availability is going to be uh, going forward. I know he did not play against Florida State. Uh, So just, you know, I would like to see us hopefully have some consistency among the backs to where we're not rotating them in and out every single drive. just to where hopefully maybe Bird with his explosiveness uh, and speed or Colburn or Carney with their power can kind of break through and really get on a roll to, you know, because I think if if we get one of them going, that takes some of the pressure off of Walford having to run the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I talked about it with Riley a little bit last week. My biggest issue with the running back situation is, excuse me, that uh, I I don't like that we necessarily just keep one back in for an entire drive. I guess it's a little bit different than your perspective, but if we're going on a longer drive, uh, I know we want to play fast, but I'd also like to see us get some, you know, fresh legs in there, there situationally, and then maybe get the lead back back in there. So that's something I'd like to see change perhaps a little bit, but if that allows us to play with tempo, um, you know, I guess I guess the coaching staff has has certainly weighed the weighed the pros and cons of being able to play with tempo versus the fatigue level that you have to factor in in terms of having to play so many plays consecutively for the same back. So uh, definitely something to monitor moving forward. And um, not sure the exact extent of, of Carney's injury, but I, I, me personally, I would I would hold him out for the Clemson game just based on the aforementioned strength. Of, of Clemson's defensive line and then having the bye week afterwards. So I would say give him the time 
he needs to get his body right and, and get him back for the games that are that are certainly much more winnable coming up. Uh, and he could be an important player for us, especially in, in short yardage and, and goal line situations. Well, moving Absolutely. on. I think we. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. I, think, I, was just... I think we saw we saw some of what Carney can do last year. And, you know, I, I would love to for him to be able to get back to that level, especially in uh, the goal line situations. I, I feel like, you know, being able to have him as the power back and give it to him, uh, we really need him at full health in order for him to be able to do that. Absolutely agree with you. Well, moving on to another very strong Atlantic foe who's won a national title within the past five years. Actually, they've won one within the past nine months. The Clemson Tigers, <laughs> who have been absolutely outstanding this season. They opened as 21.5-point favorites in Death Valley. will be at noon on, I believe, ESPN2. Um, 5-0 this year, and they have not been without – you know, strong competition. They they defeated a good Auburn team at, team at home, and then they've had two impressive road wins, one at Virginia Tech, one at Louisville. Edward, I know you wrote the piece previewing the Clemson Tigers' offense today for Blogger So Dear. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the offense, sort of high level, who's standing out for you? What What are the strengths of this Tigers team? Well, you know, they have – four running backs who they bring in uh, interchangeably and all of them have explosive playmaking ability. I mean, I feel like with us, you know, we have Bird is kind of the speed guy, Carney's the power guy, Colburn's the all-purpose guy, Clemson's uh, running backs all have the ability to get open, get into open space and make big plays uh each, all four of them have at least two touchdowns on the season. And then Kelly Bryant is a quarterback unlike any that this defense has faced this season. You know, Taylor Lamb was a of Appalachian was a really good quarterback, but he is not on the same level as a Kelly Bryant. Uh, while Bryant only has three passing touchdowns on the season, he has uh, – I believe it's nine rushing touchdowns, and he has the ability to really spread out uh, a defense, not just with his arm, but with his legs, too. And then, of course, you know, the receivers are some of the tops in the nation. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod, Deion Kane, Hunter Renfro, all of those guys are probably going to be playing on Sunday uh, within the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're an unbelievably explosive offense, though. They're not playing with quite as much tempo as they have in years past with, with Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, who is now playing some fantastic football on Sundays in Taj Boyd. But uh, Kelly Bryant still very accurate, 66% passing completion and I'm with you on the receivers Deion Kane is an absolute stud I think he was one of the best high school players in the country when he committed to to Clemson Ray Ray McLeod very skilled player and then Hunter Renfro on the inside had that game-winning catch against Alabama last year a very good slot receiver for them 
really all of the receivers average over 10 yards a, 10 yards a carry. Uh, just so many weapons uh, along the other side. I guess flipping over to the other side of the ball and, you know, talking about their defense because historically Clemson has had good defenses, but they've won with offense. Now, if you look at the S&P ratings, 27th best offense in the country, but the fourth best defense. Uh, the defensive line is, is unbelievable. Dexter Lawrence, uh, Christian Wilkins, any other takeaways on the defense, Edward? I, I mean, I just, I don't think we have faced anything close to what this defense is going to bring. And, uh, you know, it's it's good that we have our own defense to practice against uh, because, honestly, I think that is the closest that we have come uh, for our offensive players to something as explosive as the Clemson defense. But, I mean, I, I have a feeling that the pocket is going to collapse very quickly on Saturday, and we are not going to be – very successful running the ball against that front four and then adding in the linebackers to the front seven. I mean, I I don't see us getting too many big explosive plays like we have had in some of our uh, first games. Uh, Any thought, any takes from you on that? I agree with a lot of what you said. I, reached out to a Clemson buddy of mine last night and asked him, I said, relatively speaking, what are the worst parts of Clemson's defense? And obviously the defensive line, the front four are unbelievable. He says the depth maybe isn't necessarily there. So I guess that's an opportunity. He says linebackers, amazing, some injuries in, injuries in the secondary, but the D, DB group is incredibly well coached. Um, so I think really, I think, you're going to have to score on some, some plays with some serious busted coverage. If you're going to have a chance, I think we're going to have to get really lucky in terms of probably trying to force a few fumbles and taking advantage of, of excellent field position. Ed, Edward, if, if you were to imagine a scenario in which Wake was to win this game and it's 3.30 on, on Saturday afternoon and, and Wake finishes ahead of Clemson, how do you think we would do it? What would a game like that look like? Again, 21-point underdogs, so not a very likely situation at all. But if it were to happen, how do you think it would happen? You know, I, I think one thing, we, we have to win the turnover battle. Um, there's, there's no question we're going to have to force a couple of fumbles, uh, maybe an interception, one thing that we have working in our favor, perhaps, is that Greg Hugel, Clemson's kicker, was had a freak injury on the last play of practice uh, the week before the Virginia Tech game. He is out for the season, so they do not have a proven kicker. Uh, so, you know, if we can force some stops on third down, to where we have to force them to kick the ball. You know, they probably are not going to be as comfortable from longer distances, and maybe they miss a couple uh, because of that, and we're able to take over, take some momentum from the missed field goal. I think, you know, the secondary is – you mentioned Amari Henderson's uh, kind of breakout game. He's going to have to play – 
as well, if not better, than he did against Florida State. Jesse Bates is going to have to continue to be at the top of his game. Uh, Cam Glenn, the entire secondary, really. I think our front four is going to have to try to get as much pressure on Kelly Bryant as we possibly can. And then on offense, we have to look to Dorch and Bird to really get out in space and make some of these big plays that we have seen them make. But essentially, for an upset to happen, we're going to have to force a couple of big-time plays to happen where we're not just getting lucky breaks, but we really have everything going our way. Uh, what, What would you say that we need to do in order to, if we were to somehow come out with a win in this one? Yeah, this this one is, is really so tough to say. That's sort of why I punted the question to you first. Uh, <laughs> I understand. This is, this is really, when you look when you look at our schedule, this is really the only game where I, I just really struggle to see any way we can possibly do it, especially because Virginia Tech is an, a very good football team, and, and Clemson just went to Virginia Tech in a night game on ABC, and, and they completely outclassed them. Now, maybe we can hope that since it's a noon game, maybe they're not completely up for it. Uh, I think we need to hope they come out a little bit sluggish just just to start. I think the offensive line, I know Bryant you know, has given up a number of sacks due to his, his pocket awareness maybe not being the best just yet. So I think in terms of we have the defensive line to get that pressure. Can we not just get sacks, but can we get forced fumbles? Uh, that's going to really allow us to flip the field position. We have to absolutely capitalize every field goal opportunity we get. And I do not think we are going to win this game by playing field position football. I, I think Clemson's offense will just eventually wear us down if they do that. I think you need to be um, aggressive. I think if there are fourth and, say, three, three yards to go or, or less, I think we need to be aggressive on those opportunities and look for opportunities uh, to continue maintaining possession of the ball. I think absolutely inside of the red zone, uh, field goals will not be Clemson. We are going to need to capitalize on any of those situations. Um, We cannot have any bad penalties in terms of, uh, you know, false starts getting us off schedule. You can, we cannot get off schedule against this defense. And then I think we're going to have to have a big play in terms of special teams uh, with, with Dortch doing something spectacular. Boston College held them very close. Uh, you wouldn't know it based on the score. It was sort of like our game against Louisville last year, really. Uh, but I believe they were tied at seven in Death Valley going into the fourth quarter. So, And obviously we showed that we're a, a definitely a superior team to Boston College. So, look, it, it can be done in certain ways, but – you just really need a litany of, of perfect, perfect storm events to go our way. And quite frankly, I, I struggle to see how that, you know, a few of those things can go our way. Um, any other final thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, I mean, I absolutely agree with that take. I think another thing is we absolutely have to score first we cannot play from behind against a team like Clemson. If we 
once we get down to them, I really don't think there's any coming back. So if we are going to win this game, we have to score early and often. And if we get opportunities in the red zone, we have to come away with six. We can't settle for three if we're going to win this game. I agree with you. And, um, you know, I know I sound definitely negative about this game now. That's really not a criticism of our team as much as it is a compliment to to Clemson. And, and one thing that I'm excited about, and I know this is probably a quasi-moral victory, even though I'm trying not to talk about moral victories, is that <laughs> you and I spent a lot of time sort of criticizing how Wake played, maybe not criticizing, but saying areas we could have played better in after a, a close loss against a good Florida State team. I think that says a lot about the job that, that Clawson and his staff and the players who have worked so hard uh, have done at Wake to get to the point where, like I said, we're 31st nationally in S&P Plus. We were playing at home in front of a great crowd, and, and we sort of maybe didn't expect to win the game necessarily as fans, but I know our players expected to win. I know they expected to play well, and, and they absolutely played their hearts out. So I, I'm excited to the point where we are as a program. We are we are complaining about performances and we're complaining about a lot of things that didn't necessarily go our way in terms of execution, luck, whatever it was. And we still only lost that game by seven points and uh, Florida state didn't pull ahead till with just, uh, just under a minute to go. So I I think that's, you know, an encouraging sign moving forward and, and hopefully uh, certainly continues throughout the year, but hopefully we're not complaining about uh, things that didn't go our way in in a close loss we're we're talking about the good things we did well in a victory but also things we would want to improve in future games any other thoughts there absolutely you know i'm just glad that we are no longer having to talk about you know three four touchdown losses we are a team that is once again relevant in the acc and a team that you know, teams can't just pencil in a W on their schedule anymore. You really have to show up and play against this Wake Forest team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Edward, I think that's all I have for tonight. Uh, I know the the show's wrapping up almost to our our 45-minute cap here. Is there anything else you would like to add? You have a few minutes of of open mic if you want to have it. Anything to plug? Uh I just just appreciate you having me on. I will actually be in Death Valley on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to experiencing that atmosphere. I'll probably be one of maybe less than 5,000 Wake fans in an 80-something thousand seat stadium, but I'll be there and be as loud as I can cheering on the Deeks. And uh, again, just thank you for giving me the opportunity to fill in. No, greatly appreciate you uh, you coming on with us. You did a great job offering your insight, as you do with the Facebook Live videos and, and all of your articles. And Death Valley's a, a very unique place to play. I haven't been since '09, and I don't plan on going back probably ever again. <laughs> but they are some <laughs> phenomenal people. It makes for some some great tailgating. Just one of the one of the better environments in, in all of college football. So. Uh, We'll see how the game goes, but I know that you'll enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, We thank you all for listening, as always, 
And uh, join us again next week when we recap Wake Forest game against Clemson and probably look ahead to the bye and the second half of the schedule. So, as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks.